theyeshiva.net. We began on Monday a mimer of the Tzamach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rebbe Nachem Mendel of Lubavitch, the grandson of the Balatanya, in Eir HaTorah, Megillas Esther, where he begins quoting the statement of the sages in Meseches Megillah, Davzayin, Chayev Inish, Lebesumah Bepuriad, Layad Ben Arhamal Baruch Mardachai, person is obligated to become inebriated, to drink on Purim until he's not aware, he's unaware of the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mardachai, and he went into many questions. And from there he moved on to the idea of Balayla, Unada Dashnas HaMelech, that night the king could not sleep, and the Medrash tells us that this is referring to Oso as an allegory for the king of kings, the king of the world who could not sleep that night, and the question is, of course, what does it mean that he could not sleep? Other nights, he does sleep. So, the Medrash says that when the Jewish people divert, when they're misaligned with their true purpose, Hashem makes himself asleep. What does exactly does that mean? What is the metaphor of God sleeping? Why is that the metaphor? What is the meaning of it? Is it just a general metaphor, like when you're asleep, it looks like you don't know what's going on, or there's, or there's something more specific, more nuanced? He quoted the story in the Gemara, Mishnah and Gemara, the end of Sait, one of the great high priests during the Second Temple, the beginning, before Yechen and Kain Gadl, Probably be right? So this is before before the Hanukkah miracle. In Bayesheni the second base Amikdash, he abolishes institution of those who are Ma'irim. They are the awakeners. Every day these Levites are singing, Ura Lama Hashem, please wake up. God, don't sleep. And he says, This doesn't make sense. Shem is never asleep, and he he abolishes this tradition. I, it says, uh, God should wake up. He says, yeah, when Jews are in Gullus, uh-huh. you could say that, but not when Jews are in a state of peace. And Tzemach uh, Tzedek says, okay, if that's the case, maybe that's why he wanted the Levites should say it, to make sure that the Jews remain out of Gullus. Those were the various questions he asked, and from there he went on to discuss what sleep is. How when a person sleeps, many of the faculties of the soul, their energy becomes more concealed. A person still has the faculty of vision, for example, but it's not manifested. The eyes are closed. Same as true hearing. A person could still hear. I mean, if you wake them up and you talk to them, they'll listen to you. If there's a loud sound in the room, they'll wake up. They'll hear it. But it's not clearly manifest. And he said, well, it's a metaphor. And it explains why in Gullus there's this concept called sleep. Because there's the Erdin Saif, there's the God's soul, so to speak, which vivifies all the worlds and is expressed and is manifested. So during sleep, your soul is still vivifying your body. It's giving life to your body. But it's not in a way that all of the faculties are internalized and channeled through the body. And in order to explain this, the Tzemach Tzedek goes into the whole discussion. This was chapter 2, till now was chapter 1, and chapter 2 is the whole discussion how 
the Zayar compares Hashem's relationship to the Sphiros, like the relationship of the soul and the body, where God, God's infinite light, fills the vessels, fills the structures, fills the containers, and it channels that, that light in order to be able to animate a finite world, a world of definitions, a world of descriptions, a world of physicality, just like it's through the body that the soul can have an impact in the physical world because it's manifested through a physical vehicle. And the vehicle facilitates the light of the soul and brings it into a tangible reality, a tangible tangible world. And that's why the relationship is considered to the relationship between the soul and the body, the neshama and the guf. He did emphasize that while a soul is contained by the body, Hashem is not contained by the spheres, it's not contained by the vessels, it's like a ray, it's like a ray of the sun, a radiance of the sun, but the essence ultimately remains as is intact, as explained at length in this chapter, and we discussed it last uh, in last year. And he continues, he says that in this flow from the soul into the body, the brain is really the fo- a major focal point because the energy is first manifested in the brain. When a person's brain is alive, then they can live. And the brain allocates all of the energy to every limb and organ of the body. The brain is a central nervous system. Everything begins in the brain and then the brain allocates it and uh, distributes it to the limbs and the organs of the body. And he says the same is true in the cosmic in the cosmic order, the brain is called Yisrael, Neshama Yisrael, the souls of Israel. Yisrael is Lirosh, my head, my brain. So the energy of the Ein Saif is manifested in the Reish, and then from there into all the worlds. And then Uridu goes through a, 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 a further descent, in the fish, which are even the Malachim, as explained at length. Let's see now chapter Gimel. Page Reish Tzadik Dalet, chapter Gimel. Again, if you didn't open the source sheets, it would be a good idea to do that now. Vihine says it's a machzadek. Yesh lahavin. Here we have to understand the question. Here we have to understand something. The imkain, hayyot tzadik li is bitl kolon evraim lagabin asham asisrael. If so, we would expect that all created beings should feel connected and loyal to the souls of the Jewish people, just like all the limbs are loyal and dedicated and feel themselves as an extension and part and parcel of the head to the point that they follow the blueprint of the head. Even if the brain tells the foot it's time to go into fire, the leg will listen, obey. Because there's no separateness. It's one living organism. In exile, we see the very antithesis of this. Not only do the Jewish people not lead the way as the head as the brain leads the rest of the body, but the exact opposite. And remember that Samach Tzedek is writing or sharing this mimer 
during his days, living in Russia. So Machzedek became Chabad, third Chabad Rebbe in the year Tovkuf Peches, which is 1828. He passed away in 1866. You're talking about during the reign of Nicholas, Nikolai, Nicholas I, was one of the the great uh, tyrants of humanity, great dictators of humanity, and a Jew-hater. He is the one who issued forth the edict of the Kantanistan. I'm just saying this so you understand the context of the Tzemach Tzedek's question. It's, of course, true about all of Golos. It's true till today in Golos, till Mashiach comes. So what is happening here? What, what, what is going on here? What happened to the head? Now we'll understand why our sages refer to Golos as sleep. It's the dynamics, it's the phenomena of sleep that can enlighten us, that can give us awareness, can, 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 can sensitize us to what is going on. Let's take a person, an example of a person. The recognition of the dominion, of the significance, of the power of the head over all the other limbs comes, of course, because of the brain and the mind inside the brain, the consciousness inside the brain. That's where the soul is manifested. That's where the soul... Soul, of course, in Judaism here is referring to the consciousness of a person. Where is the consciousness manifested in the brain? And this is revealed, it's expressed, it's conspicuously shown when a person is awake. What happens when a person is sleeping? You won't recognize the advantage or the superiority of the brain over the leg. You may know it because we know it, but when the person is asleep, in fact, the head and the foot are equal. When laying in bed, when I'm sitting, or certainly when I'm standing, the roish is on top, the regal is on the bottom. So you see clearly the hierarchy. The head is on the top and the leg and the foot on the bottom. When a person is asleep, the whole idea of sleep is, you don't, I mean, I guess some people could sleep standing, but generally we lie down, right, it says, you probably don't need a proof from a Pasuk that when you sleep you lie down. In other words, the head and the foot are now on equal footing, <laughs> are now equal, they're uniform. So the reason it's so physically is because spiritually, emotionally, it's that way. That when a person is asleep, you don't see clearly a, an expression of their consciousness, even though they're alive, of course they're alive, and their brain is functioning uh, full power, and there's some things that happen when we're asleep that can't even happen when we're awake. <clears throat> All the things that are accomplished during a person's sleep, including digestion and other things. But the clear recognition of the value of the brain and what it brings is much more concealed. For who the metaphor for this is Hine Pidish Bazaid Al Pasik Mamadam Yishag the Zayhar on the verse that says Memaram Yeshag he he roars from heaven, says the Zayar Kuchabrihu Bigalusa Salikla Elo Laila. Hashem in exile ascends higher and higher. 
Here again, let's give an example of sleep. What happens during sleep is that the faculties of the soul that are manifested in the limbs of the body, so a major part of them ascend back to their core and their root in the essence of the soul. Which means the soul exists independent of the body. A person's soul exists before birth. A person's soul exists after death. The soul doesn't die. The soul is alive and it doesn't die. What is life on earth? Life on earth is that the soul is being manifested through the body. There is a physical vehicle that captures and facilitates and channels the energy of the soul. So the body's life is like a refrigerator. We, we have used this metaphor before. And you plug in the refrigerator, so now the electricity can be channeled through the wires, through the refrigerator, and function. And as a result of that, the refrigerator can fulfill its function as a refrigerator. Or the laptop as a computer or the light as a light, or the AC, the air conditioner, as an air conditioner, or the vacuum cleaner as a vacuum cleaner. So the energy of the soul, the energy of the electricity is uniform. But why is it expressed in the refrigerator in one way, in the computer in a different way? Because the vehicle is a different vehicle. The Kaylee is a different vehicle. Here you have a vacuum cleaner channeling the electricity, and here you have a refrigerator channeling electricity. So here the function is going to be to cool the food, and here the function is going to be to vacuum up the living room or the dining room. Here the function is going to be to generate light in the room. Or to have a, to have a mic. The electricity is, is the same electricity, but it's channeled through different vehicles. What happens when you unplug the refrigerator? Electricity doesn't die. What happens to it? It reverts back to where electricity is. None of us have ever seen electricity. We see the symptoms of electricity. Electricity doesn't die. It's just you unplug the refrigerator. It's not channeled through the refrigerator. So the food inside the refrigerator gets a little rotten. But the electricity retreats back to the source. When a person, Khalila, passes away, there's no such a thing. They die. That doesn't happen. The electricity, the soul, the consciousness that was manifested through the goof, retreats now back to its natural spiritual space. It's sad. It's difficult. It's excruciatingly painful because we don't have contact with it. I can't have contact directly with electricity. I can't see it. I can't smell it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't hear it. So the neshama is fully, fully alive. In many ways, it's more alive because it's not being limited, it's not contained. But for the people on earth, it's a very difficult experience. What happens when the person is born, already pre-birth? It's this great miracle that the soul, which is essentially transcendent, is being manifested through the goof, through the body. In, in life itself on earth, there's two states. There's when I'm awake and when I'm asleep. When a person is awake, so then... There is the synchronization between 
the faculties of the soul, and they're manifested in all of the limbs and organs of the body, every limb according to its unique chemistry and its unique capacity and its unique functionality. As we said before, it all begins in the brain. What happens when we're asleep, the Tzamech Tzadik says is, the faculties don't leave, they're concealed. He says, if you want to understand what that really means, using abstract words, the faculties retreat back to the essence of the soul inside the body. What does this mean? So he starts explaining. It's been explained already in other places. When the faculties of the soul are present in their source, they are all integrated. There's no divisibility. They're also in a much higher state than they are when they're later manifested within the limbs of the body. So two things happen. When they're manifested in the limbs of the body, now there's divisibility, because every organ channels a certain dimension of life. And it's different than the dimension of life that's channeled through the other organ. The liver has its thing, and the pancreas its thing, and the kidney its thing, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the abdomen, all of the different systems. Each one, each limb and organ channels the energy of the soul in a unique fashion. So there is the visibility. Just like you can't compare the electricity in the refrigerator and the electricity in the laptop computer. It's different. The electricity is the same, but it's channeled through a different vehicle, and that creates the visibility. One element. Another element is that when it comes into the limbs of the body, it's more limited, it's more restricted. It's harnessed, it's custom-made, it's channeled, it's filtered. It's filtered for that particular limb. When these faculties are in the source of the soul, the soul itself, for example, before the soul came into the body, all the faculties were there. But the soul has the faculties the way it's rooted in the essence, and the way they come out and they're manifested. So he says, this proof of the Sharani Uroyim we see. There are faculties in the limbs that are essentially a very different and opposing character. The brain has the element of water in it, an element of moist. The brain was defined always as cold and wet. The heart is the element of fire, passion, heat. So I understand once these faculties of the soul are manifested in the brain and the heart, they don't extinguish each other. The water doesn't threaten the fire, the fire doesn't threaten the water because each one has its own residence. The brain has its uniqueness, and the heart is its uniqueness. But when they're together in the soul itself, before they are displayed and channeled in specific limbs of the body, how do they live together? So you have to say, You have to say that when these faculties are included in the source, they transcend their specific characteristics. 
they transcend the picture that's imposed upon them, the form that's imposed upon them by being channeled in the limbs of the body. Because they are in a much more transcendent state, so therefore the paradoxes between them don't create the contradiction that they can't exist together. Because what's felt in each of them is that they are an expression of the soul. Once they're channeled in the limbs of the body, here the distinctions become very obvious. This is water, this is fire. All of the various paradoxical components that the human personality has. But when it's back in the source, here in their pristine essence, they can all coexist. They can all be one. They can all be integrated. This is a metaphor to understand this also in terms of the cosmic order. The divine light, which is infinite, that's manifested in structures and containers. Chesed is called the right arm of Hashem. Gvura is called the left arm of Hashem. And the Zohar, Tiferes is the torso of Hashem. Netzach and Hoyer are the two thighs. Yisoyed is the bris. Malchus is the mouth or the feminine counterpart. What are all these they're not just strange metaphors, because that's really what the spheres are. The spheres are like the limbs, the divine limbs that contain and give character and confer a picture, a form on the light, on the electricity, on the divine electricity. This is called Hashem's light fills the worlds, like the soul fills the body. But when the light is in its own source, before it's manifested in the limbs of the body, the light transcends the character of these attributes and characteristics. Chesed, or Gvura, or the other ones. The lav mikol inun midos iyu klal. An expression in the introduction to the Kune Yisrael, he does not consist of midos at all. You cannot define the light by midos. In Kabbalah and in Hasidic terminology, this is called soiv of kalama. Soiv kalama means it encompasses and transcends the worlds. Memalek kalama is the way the divine energy is filtered and harnessed and channeled and compressed and contained within the definitions of language. There, it, there is character. That's like the soul that's being expressed through every single dimension of the goof, of the body. Every aver, every limb, every organ, every, every unique dimension of the body. That's a metaphor for Mamala Kalaman. What's Soiv of Kalaman? Soiv of Kalaman is... The pristine light. The pristine light pre its being channeled and contained within the vessels. That's called Saiv of Kalam. It transcends the character. Oi Igulim Vyosha. Sometimes there's a different name for it. Igulim and Yosha. Igulim means circles. Yosha means a straight line. Igulim is associated with Saiviv, and Yosha is associated with Mamale. What is a sleep? It's the light that was in the vessel going back up to its source.
being re-included in its original source. This is the meaning of that statement in the same section of Zayar, the introduction to the Zayar. Kadant tistalik minayu. Ishtaru kulu shman kegufa balanishmasa. When you depart from them, all the names, all the svidas remain like a body versus a soul. Like a body without a soul when you depart from them. This is the idea that Hashem and Golas ascends higher and higher. Above the guf. The kalim and above the vessels, la elo la ela, the nichlal haer b'sharshiyu mekayra, and the light is subsumed in its own root, its own source. Hanikra b'chinas egulim be'etzchayim, the soiv of kalalman b'zayhar. In etzchayim, that's from the Arizal. The term would be egulim. In zayhar, you don't have the term egulim; you have the term soiv of kalalman. But the concept is similar. So what happens in galus is not that the air is gone that the air transcends the keli and it goes back into the source. Because it goes back in the source, it's called salik, it ascends, la'elo, la'elo, above the kalim, above the guf. The guf creates differentiation, creates revelation, creates divisibility. That's what kalim do, they contain, they structure, and therefore they manifest. What is galus? Galus is sleep. What happens in sleep? The soul is still in the body. And there's a life that's manifested in the body, but it's a very external element of life, very external element of consciousness. person is still breathing. Systems are still working, right? There's a digestive system working. There's the circulatory system working. There's this respiratory system. Those systems are working. So there's an element of energy, of course, that's manifested still in the body when we're asleep. But it's a very minute, restricted form of energy. What he calls before chitzoinius a more external form of energy. The internal faculties, the human personality, human charisma, the human drama, the human energy, your love, your passion, your soul is not manifested when you're asleep. There's no consciousness. I mean, there's consciousness, but it's a much more limited form of expression. The consciousness is expressed much less. So he says, in, in, in spiritual terminology, what is happening? The electricity of the soul that has been channeled and revealed through the limbs of the body, a significant dimension of them ascend, and we don't mean ascend geographically, that they, that they leave the soul, they, ascend, they retreat into a higher dimension of the nefesh, where all the kaychas are integrated and are, are included which would be in the divine energy that the air ascends from a malikalalman into of kalalman. And over there, everything is integrated. Everything is one. There's no divisibility because it's higher than the kalam. That's called kutshabrichu begalusa salik la'elo la'ela, above the guf, above the kalam. From a malikalalman into of kalalman, from yosher into igulam. Zayar's language is Mali and Saivav. Eitzchayim's language is Igulim and Yosher. Again, Igulim are circles where there's no beginning, there's no end. In a circle, where's the beginning, where's the end? And then there's Yosher, which would be like a linear, like a straight line. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, there's top and the bottom. That's Mamala Kalaman. There's a hierarchy because there's structures. That's like the body. So when the person is awake, 
There's a very clear structure, and the structure is conspicuous. And the maila, the superiority of the head, is very, very revealed. When a person is asleep, the the chiyas is there, the oir is there. And in a way, the oir is higher. (laughs) The oir is much higher, because it goes from amali to seviv. But because it's higher, from the outsider's perspective, one cannot sense it, one cannot see it. Now, this is abstract, this is difficult. What does this mean? How do we apply this? How do we understand this in our lives? So let's see what the Tzamech Tzedek says. Because over there, on that level, there's no restrictions, there's no filters. Therefore, everybody can receive from there. The Navi Yevadi says, God says to Esav, if you uh, rise like an eagle, you rise very, very high like an eagle, which is, of course, the most powerful bird that soars above all of the other birds. I'll bring you down from there. What does it mean you'll rise like an eagle? The sitra achra, which means the forces of unholiness want to rise like an eagle. They want to go to a place of soivr rather than mamale. They love going to the place that's beyond ishtashlus, beyond structure. You know why? Because over there, they can receive. When the divine energy is accessed, through the channels of structure, through the guf, through the kalim, as Ev Shalem Lakabal, Satracha can't receive. Because the whole purpose, why the infinite divine energy descends and evolves, is contained through structures, is is in order for there to be an aliyah, to be an ascent, that the whole world shall ultimately be sublimated, kemaimer, as our sages say, Bishvil Yisrael Shinikrayim Rashis. Bereshis bara lekim. Bereshis is two reishis. Hashem created the world for Torah and for Yisrael, who are called reishis. They're both called the beginnings. As he said before, that's why reishis also has the word roish, the head. So the purpose of the divine energy descending into definition and into containers and into descriptions is that the human being should ultimately be able to bring it back up and bring up the whole world. So the tachlis of the Yerida is the ultimate aliyah. The tachlis is havos ayashu ayash. The purpose why ayin wanted there should be a yesh, why no thingness wanted there should be, I didn't say nothingness, I said no thingness, wanted there should be a yesh, there should be somethingness, is there should be bitl hayash. In other words, if all the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear as is, which is infinite. However, the doors of perception are not cleansed. And the divine infinite energy allows itself to be restricted and harnessed and channeled to the point that the ayin creates a yesh. A yesh means a sense of autonomy, a sense of separateness, which all begins with definitions, with language. It begins with descriptions. It begins with the air being contained within structures and then further going through various Restrictions, which we spoke about many times, the concept of tzimtzum and the concept of ishtalshalos. And I know for those of you who are here the first time or relatively the first time, 
These are very new concepts. It could be a little daunting and abstract, but don't give up. You have to, uh, you have to uh, learn about this, and you learn about it, Be'ezir Hashem, and you'll be able to start understanding more and more. This is the DNA of creation. So the, the, the reason the Eirein Seif creates the Yesh is that it should be Bittal HaYesh. Every Yerida, every descent, is not for the sake of going down, it's for the sake of going back up and reaching even a deeper space. There's no such a thing you go down for the sake of going down. Every Yerida in life is Tzor Chaliyah. Every descent is for the sake of ascent. Even a descent that seems powerful and surmountable, it's still Tzor So the whole descent of the divine energy from Ur into Kalim, into Guf, similar to the manifestation of the soul in the body, is in order for there to be Bittal Hayash. To be able to take the Yesh, to be able to take a world that is fragmented, that authentically seems autonomous and detached, and realign it, reconnect it with its true source, with uh, allowing it, allowing it to, uh, to raise its posture, and reveal that it's really an expression of infinity. Therefore, if that's the purpose, so he says, The Sitra knows if the earth is being channeled through Kalim, their nurture is going to be limited and mitigated. They're not going to be able to get their nurture. So they rise like an eagle. They want to go to, to Seif of Kalam. Because the way... The energy is channeled through the vessels. It, it, it discriminates. It looks where it can be expressed in order for it to fulfill its purpose. And therefore the Sitra is going to get very, very little energy, very concealed energy, very minute energy. Just like biology, when, uh, when a mother conceives and the embryo starts to develop, the body discriminates. The body wants to see what's the viability of this embryo. What's the viability of this fetus? And we often know, sometimes the body decides that all the energy that it's going to be putting in into the development of this fetus is not going to produce the desired results. And hence, miscarriage, or similar things, because, yes, the body discriminates. It's not uh, unconditional love, so to speak. I have to see that this fetus is worth... I don't, I don't mean to use... Uh, maybe it's the wrong language. But you, you understand what I'm saying. The biological system has to recognize uh, the potential for life. And the potential for viability. And it's a very sensitive process. There is discrimination. Sitra Achira knows this. Hashem says, the purpose of the Ein Saif being channeled into the world is to lift up the world, to connect the finite and the infinite, not to detach. So the Sitra Achira knows they're going to wait for that channeled energy. They're going to get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. So where do they want to go? They want to go to the Nesha. They want to be like the eagle. They want to go high. Ukamash, a metaphor of this would be Chavis, you have a barrel. If you access the liquid, the beverage from the barrel through, through, a, 
through a, a faucet, a tzinner is like a channel, a pipe, then it's going to be very limited. It's going to discriminate where the liquid is going. It's not going to just let the liquid go everywhere. It's being channeled through the faucet to come into this jug or to this bottle. But if the chavis, if the barrel, this large barrel, has no particular faucet, no particular tzir, no particular channel to transmit to transmit the liquid, so what happens? Now you fill the barrel, and when it gets overfilled, it just pours in all directions. And it may go to a place that's not worthy of it. It's going to be squandered there. It's going to be wasted. Because you did not create the tzimtzum. You did not channel the energy. This is called indiscriminate giving. You give. It's like in love, right? You can give love with no conditions. There's no discrimination. I don't mean discrimination here as a racial term. I mean discrimination is you don't look where yeah, we're not. It sounds, seems wonderful, but it can be absorbed by people and places and situations that are not deserving of it, and they can misuse it. So when the light is channeled, so it's very focused. There is a lot of precision there. Where am I going? Where am I headed? The Sitrachara knows this. I want the barrel itself. I don't want those tzinoyos. I don't want mamali. I want soifif. Vigam furthermore, Sadakhir knows something else. Even the light that's restricted and it remains in the body even after the primary light goes up, which is sleep, Sitrachir can receive from that. Because since the essence, the primary essence of the light departed, and only a little bit, a little, a little dosage of life remained, like during sleep. So from this they can also receive. Because little bitl there's in Sitrachah, the says they call God the God of gods. I'm also a God, but he's the God of God. So there is a little bitl, and because there's a little bitl, they could receive even a little bit of the energy that's manifested in the kalim, but which part of it? That which remains in the guf after you're sleeping. But the ikira, or the pnimiyasa, or they can't. So nimtsa pchines hashina, so what is sleep? Shoinyan kad antistalik minayu, when you, the er, departs from the kalim, like we said before, so this causes that the external levels of energy, the chitzaynim, sitrachera, can receive their nurture because of two things. Aleph, one is, because they rise like an eagle, to receive their nurture from the space where darkness and light are all mixed. Like the Pasuk says in Eiv, if you're righteous, what do you give him? What are you doing for him? Even if you're very sinful, you think you're going to affect him? There's a famous Pasuk in Eiv, right? What exactly are you going to do to God? So from that space where darkness and light can coexist, the sitrachara can get. There's no filters. 
It's like the barrel just overflowing, and therefore the liquid goes in all directions. There's no discrimination. Everybody can get the liquids, even if it's going to be squandered by them. Habez, the second element, is gamel matakana. Also below, the way the light is channeled, but during sleep, when the primary light goes up and what's remained is only called a kiss to the chayusa, which means a little dosage of energy that they can get because it's a very small dosage of energy. And for it, there's this entire sugi and is discussed at length in the Maimon Torah of his grandfather, where the king speaks to the Mayaldos, to the midwives in Egypt, Shifra and Pua, asks them to kill the Jewish babies, as discussed in that Maimon at length. So now we understand why Gullus is compared to sleep. The metaphor is actually extremely precise. The Chevra understand a little bit what we're talking about here. It's a lot pashut, nishtaza pashut inyin. Let me try, let me try to, uh, to apply this at least somewhat so we can get a clearer picture of what the Rebbe, what the Tzemach Tzedek is teaching us here. The key distinction is there's the way the Ur is in Kalim and the way the Ur is above Kalim. When the Ur is in Kalim, there is a hierarchy, there is divisibility, there are clear distinctions. That's what vessels do. You see this? It contains, it structures. It confers a picture on the liquid. The liquid has a certain form because the keli forces its form on whatever is in the keli. And that form becomes the identity of that which is in the keli. And that's the key. It becomes its identity. But essentially the liquid here is formless. But when it's in the keli, it's limited according to this form which is why we appreciate Kalem, because I would like to drink a cup of coffee, <laughs> right? So to go to the big Chinik, it's a big Kali, and drink from it is going to be a little hard. But this limits it yet further. Of course, you have the Chinik, the, the kettle, which got water from the sink, which got water from the source. I mean, you can go to the ocean, but you want it in the Kali, which is structured, which is contained. So the air in the Kali has the identity and the form of the vessel. But there is the oil that transcends the keli. It's called soiv of kalalman. It's not memali kalalman. It's soiv of kalalman. Someone means surrounds the worlds. And I don't mean spatially. It's around the cup, not in the cup. But spiritually. It's around, not in means. It's not limited and defined by the keli. Over there, there's no divisibility. There's no fragmentation. There's no container. There's no structure. It's pure infinity. The kalim create the structure, the finiteness. What happens when a person sleeps? When a person sleeps, the soul is still in the body, but a major part of the kaychas are not manifested in the keli. Where are they? They retreat back to their core. And therefore, we have there the concepts of dreams. And in dreams, 
You don't have the same order and the same hierarchy that you have when you're awake. When you think about things when you're awake, everything has its space. In dreams, there's paradoxes and contradictions, and you could be here and you could be in Australia simultaneously, and the impossible is happening. In dreams, there's no distinctions, because you're tuning into a space that's higher than Kaylee, and therefore paradoxes can coexist. That's what's being manifested in dreams. That's what chaloimus are. The oir ascends. So the oir really is much deeper. But it's harder to have access to it because it went up. It's not, uh, it's not metzumtzum. It's not malubish. It's not manifested in the kelim. That's what galus is. So that's why it's called sleep. Hashem is asleep. Was me Hashem, Hashem doesn't sleep. The process of the world is when the oir is melubish, is manifested in the kalim, there's very clear distinctions in the world. This is the brain, this is the body, and therefore you see the mile of the Jewish people. You see the mile of the rush. There's a clear order. During Shina, what happens? You don't see the value of the rush over the regal. Why? What happened to all those kaiches? They're there but they went up. And they went up to a place where everything could be mixed up, everything could be integrated. The koiches are in a much higher space, much higher space, but we down here don't have access to that. We don't see it that way. And because of that, the person is asleep, the consciousness is diminished. So he says, Sitra Achara can then receive a tremendous amount of nurture from that soiv of kalalman, where there's no divisibility, and also from the energy that's left in the body, which is much more restricted. In a very personal way, and I want to try to make this personal now, a person often experiences things in life that they don't have vessels for, they don't have containers. A container means that the experience is mitigated and compromised and contained in your vessels. But sometimes the experience is beyond Caleb. In fact, it can shatter your vessels. So the person is in a daze, the person is in a sleep, the person is in a slumber. Because there's an air, whenever there's an air that's higher than Caleb, that's higher than vessels, it's always a higher light but it's not channeled in an organized way, and therefore for the conscious self, it's considered sleep. I cannot be consciously present there because it's too of an intense light. To be consciously present, the light has to be limited in the vessels. Whenever there's a light that transcends vessels, I go into a state of sleep because it's overwhelming. It's not something that I can assimilate into my conscious self. But really, I have access to places that are much deeper inside of me. I just don't have kalim for them. Gu'ula is not the opposite of golos. Gu'ula is making kalim for the energy of golos, which is infinite, and not limited by the kalim. 
the famous expression, is the tayu bekelem the tikkun. That's what Gula is. Whenever a person has an experience, let's call it, let's say, trauma, or a very difficult experience, this is this is not this is this is hard to say, but it's probably the truth of what the, what the Tzemach Tzadik is saying. It's also in the Maimer Shir Hamalus B'Shuv Hashem Shiva Sina Inu Kachalmem in Torah Er Parshas Vayeshev about the dreams and Yosef Tzadik etc. Why Golus is compared to sleep and Golus is compared to dreams. I have experiences in my life that I could not assimilate into my character. So what happens? It breaks me. What's the healing? The healing is that I have to be able to open myself up to the infinity of those experiences. And when I can open myself up to the infinity of those experiences, then instead of breaking me, they can actually heal me. Because the reason why something is so difficult for me is I don't have the kalim for it. The light is too big. So what we often call darkness is really just too much light. I don't have the vessels for it because I have a certain expectation what my life is supposed to look like. I impose a picture on my reality. I create containers where the light has to fit in. And if the light doesn't fit in, the containers go crazy. So I say, oh, this is horrible. But if I can expand my containers and open myself up to the infinity of the light, then everything changes. In practical English, this means I create expectations, pictures, of what my life is supposed to look like, what goodness is what a good life is. I force the light into these pictures. And what happens if it doesn't work out? If it's a higher light that doesn't fit into these vessels, the vessels break. The vessels break, I go crazy. And what do I say? I say, this is horrible, this is negative, this is terrible. Why? Because I'm not ready to go up, to go out of my keli and to open myself up to a higher consciousness, to a higher reality. I remain stuck in this vessel. So all healing comes from the fact that I can open myself up to my dreams. I can open myself up to what's happening during my sleep. But when I'm sleeping, that's gullus. That's what gullus is. The light ascended, and therefore in the world of Kalim, it's not felt, it's not experienced. So therefore, what was yesterday the head is now the foot. There's a complete... uh, misalignment, there's cosmic chaos. Why is there cosmic chaos? Because the wine is go- going all over the place, so the Sitra Akhra could now receive from the highest place, or the Sitra Akhra is receiving from the Tzimtzum during sleep, but the regular flow of energy is not there anymore. That's the state of Gullus. I don't know if anybody understood what I was talking about, but I hope a little bit. About and you wanted to say something. Didn't, under, didn't understand about how the Sitra, sitra Akra can access easier this way or that way? You didn't understand how the Sitra Akra yet. So basically, the idea is that the Sitra Akra, 
which is basically unholiness, in order for it to access yeah, the divine energy in a meaningful way, in a significant way, he says two things have to It's one of two ways. One is, and they're both during sleep. They're both during sleep. One is that during sleep, because the ur, the divine energy, ascends into a space that's beyond space, beyond vessels, so it's not channeled with precision, it's not directed towards those vessels that are worthy, but it's like the barrel overflowing without discrimination, without the visibility, and therefore everybody can come get, everybody is part of the party. Even if you don't deserve, here, come get the wine. When the air is being channeled through the kalim, through the gofam, there's purpose, there's meaning. So the Sitra Achara remains hungry. They want to rise like an eagle and tune into that place which is completely transcendent. There's no structure. Because if there's no structure, okay, wonderful, then everybody can be part of the party. There's no discrimination. Nobody's excluded. That's one component. Another component is that during sleep, when the air departs, when the air ascends, so there's very little energy left, and because there's very little energy left, it's so restricted that the sitrachi can get from that, because it's not, it's not so revealed. In other words, to receive God's energy in a revealed, organized, integrated way, you have to open yourself up to it. I need bitl, bitl ayesh. When there's no bitl, when I want to remain separate... So then, I need God's energy, because without Kedusha you can't live. Even the biggest yesh can't live without Bittl, because you need a lakus to make you live. So what happens if- one second, Rebbe Nseya, one second, one second. So I need the, I, I, I'm looking for the energy, and I'm looking for a dosage of energy. You know, it's like an addict who's just looking for another drink. So is look, but here, it's not just a drink, they want to live. They want oxygen, they're looking for oxygen. So they get it in one of two ways. And both are accomplished for them during sleep, which is gullus. Since the air ascends, so it's not anymore channeled through the kalim, so therefore sitra achara can absorb the air from that place of infinity, soiviv, igulim, circles, because the circles, everyone is part of the circle. That's one way. And the second way is because the air that's left in the guf it's called a kista de chayusa. Kista de chayusa means a residue of life. The Gemara says that sleep is like a 60th of death. In other words, it's a much more diminished form of life. A much more diminished form of life. They can get some nurture from there. Because it's not so powerful. It's not so present. Rabbi Jacobson? Yes. Of the two different uh, approaches of the Sitra Akra, it would seem that the tyrants... Uh, of the world and the sociopaths and the psychopaths, they're the ones that are like Biyak Nesha. They, 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 they want to have it all. They want to maintain this Yesha. They want to be the God. They want to get rid of even an Akkad and a car. And whereas the lower level is basically the peasants, the, the, the normal folk who just basically shut themselves off from, from alignment, as you describe, and that divine posture. Uh, and life is life and, and, and live a small life, basically. Right. I think it's true. There's two elements in Sitrachan. Like you say, the tyrants of the world, the psychopaths of the world, they want to replace God. Nebuchadnezzar said, Adam, Nebuchadnezzar said, it's the Novi says, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian emperor, 
who Saddam Hussein uh, felt he would be his uh, successor, he says, Ele al bemosi of Adam Elyon. Right? I want to be, I want Adam Elyon. I want to be, I want to be God. I think Nietzsche once said, Friedrich Nietzsche once said, um, uh, not Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, yeah, Nietzsche, I think, once said, if there is a God, then I want to be him. <laughs> if there is, well, why him? I want to be, I want to be God, right? Of course, Eneid uh, Mulvade means that you are, you are God, but it's not arrogant, it's bitl. You're part of it. So, so, so in that level, I want to be everything. In other, I want to go back to the source. Um, and then you have what you would call more, you know, the peasant or the simpleton, who who doesn't want to live a life of alignment, uh, doesn't want his posture to be an expression of infinity, and then uh, you know I just want my uh, I want my paycheck, <laughs> I want my paycheck, and that comes from the tzimtzum. So that's what happens in Golos. The reason there is such chaos in Golos, where even though you would think if the Jewish people are the brain of the universe, it should be manifested at every single moment. He says we see in Golos the exact opposite. Because during sleep, during sleep, everything changes. The mile of the Rosh over the Regal is not manifested in a clear way, even though it's true. And the reason is because our consciousness is diminished. And the faculties of the person, which are primarily, the greatest faculties are primarily in the head, are all concealed. And spiritually, it means that the, the, the oir of the, of the, of the nefesh that's in the guf ascends back to the atzim. In a way, it's in a much higher space. It's in a higher, much higher space. But in terms of, of the world of kalim, the world of structure, there's, 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 there's very little access to it. The Gemara says in Psachim that uh, every home where water, uh, a, a, a home where wine is not poured like water, so, so if it is poured like water, it's a it's it's bracha, it's it's a sign of bracha. So so the, the yeah, the, 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 so you're asking here. We're learning that the kelim are so important. So why would you want to overflow the cup? Okay, it's a good shaila. It's a good shaila. Let's uh, let's let's hold on to it for a few moments. I do want to learn here another few lines, Mamish, another few lines. I know it's late, because I just want to finish this paragraph. Right, okay. So on the basic level, what you're asking, why would the Sitach be makabal from Saiviv? Saiviv is much more pure. It's much more pristine. It's much more infinite. So the answer that he's saying here is, it's a very good question, and it'll become a little clearer even later, but the general answer is because the idea here is that Mamale is referring to not the light that's completely concealed, but the light that's channeled with precision in order to create a purposeful result. Like he says, the ayin creates the yesh, so there should be bitl hayesh. But soiv of Kalaman here is referring to the uninhibited expression of energy, which is not channeled with precision in a way that you have to have the proper vessel to absorb it. To give an example, you have a teacher who has a very, very selective list of students, and each student has to prove himself to be worthy of the lessons by learning and studying and preparing and knowing all the information. 
And then those lectures are going to be very, very custom-made. They're going to be tailored to the character of the students because each student proved himself or herself to be worthy of the lecture, right? But then once in a while, the same brilliant professor may give a public lecture and everybody is invited. The tickets, are, you don't need a ticket. Everybody could come in and listen. And there, you know, he'll speak, he'll, he's going to express himself and he'll say things a lot of people don't even understand. He doesn't feel the obligation to limit the information in a way that it should be able to be absorbed by the students. He's just expressing himself. Every, and everybody is there. This one will get this way, this one will get this way, and everybody could say they were there and get what they want to get from it. Mamalakalalman is the Uyrein Saif that's channeled in a very, very directed way, and therefore Kedusha is a Kali. Kedusha is open to it, and because I'm open to it, I can absorb it, I can integrate it. Sitra Akhra can't integrate it because Sitra Akhra, by definition, is opposed to that type of bittel. But Saiv of Kalalman, where he's just, you know, the light is just flowing, you don't have to be a worthy vessel because it's not being limited in the vessel. It's a much higher, it's a much higher form of energy. So paradoxically, they feel that they can absorb. Ultimately, it doesn't work forever, as we'll soon see. But this is what they feel. They feel from here, I can get. Why can I get? Because I don't have to be worthy. Because it's not, it's not limiting itself to the keli. When you limit yourself to the keli, paradoxically, you give less. Because you want to give. And because you want to give, you need people who want to take. And you need people who are ready to take. And if they're not ready to take, then I'm not going to give in this fashion. But when I'm just expressing myself, I'm not focused on the recipient. It's not channeled in that way. So therefore, everybody can have access. So that's why there is a certain uh, the the when when in kedusha the er always comes through the keli. That's why we learned, if you remember, we learned once a moment that the ketores, the incense, there were eleven spices, not ten, right? We say there's yud aleph samamanayak ketores, eleven herbs that were used for the incense, because in kedusha everything is ten. Esser spheres, because the light becomes one with the vessel, so it's ten. But in Klippa, they receive from the makif, from the saivif, which is above the ten, number eleven. Because they can't receive from the ten, because they're, they're not kalim, they're not interested in being a vessel. So they actually tune in to that which transcends the vessels. Which, 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 I don't, I don't want to give, I don't want to give away all the secrets, which is why we ultimately need to transform the Sitra Achara. Because through the Sitra Achara, we get access to a higher energy. <laughs> because they're tuning into that higher energy. That's why Yitzchak wants to bless Esav, not Yaakov. So my Jacobson did, did, did mm. your brain then a few weeks ago. Your, test, your, um, your colleague, my colleague, Deborah Adolf Benson, was saying about the Rebbe being, um, his life was about 11. Uh, of Nissan, the Rebbe's, and maybe this is the secret that he's in the Shama, but he, he came to the world in order to be able to manage to form the fiber to take this beyond the turn to the eleventh. You're saying Yud Aleph versus Yud. Yeah. So Yitzchak wants to bless Esav. Yitzchak wants to bless Esav. Um, there is the level of 10 and there's a level of 11. 11 is creating Kalim for that which doesn't have Kalim. So uh, that's 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 the profound idea of opening ourselves up to the light in Golos, because the light in Golos 
is really a higher light, but it's not absorbed. It's not felt that way. What's felt is chaos. But whenever there's chaos, why is there chaos? There's chaos because there's an energy that's too powerful for the vessels. That's what chaos is. We look at chaos and we say, chaos is chaos. All chaos, and and, and take this with a grain of salt, and you don't always have to try this at home, but all chaos is really, you're being opened up to something that you don't have a structure for. That's why there's some situations, for one person it's chaotic, for another person it's fine. Because they have a structure that's ready for it. But when I don't, I'm confused. I'm like, <clears throat> in other words, I sh- so what do I do? I shut down. <laughs> I fall asleep, right? I shut down. Sometimes people at intense experiences, they fall asleep because they're threatened. They can't deal with it. Right? Sometimes people will go to certain therapy sessions. They right away fall asleep. Not because they're not interested, they're too interested. <laughs> You're too. Huh? Well, we're not there yet with the wine. We're not there with the wine. But in other words, I can't deal with it, so I shut down. Fight or flight. Either I fight you. In other words, I'm going to get this chaos out of my life, or I'm going to run away from it. And sleep is a way of running away. In other words, it's too overwhelming. In sleep, I can channel it. That's why your dreams will express things that will not be expressed during the conscious day. Because during the conscious day, everything has to come into Kalim. But this is too big. My brain is filtering too much. We know that 99% of our subconscious, we're not aware of. Our brain filters out most of it and just allows a fraction of a fraction, a glimmer, a glimmer of it to come into our conscious self. When I'm asleep, the filters are off, are are shut off. The security guards... (laughs) have been dismissed. We all have security guards. You know, they block everything. You can't come in, you can't come in, you can't... When you're sleeping, it's all gone. So what happens? What happens now is your dreams, a whole world, a lebedica world, which are really all projections of things that have been going on all the day. The Gemara, all day, the Gemara says we dream about what we think about during the day. So therefore, <laughs> say hi to everybody. So what happens? When we're asleep, the security guards are, 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 are gone. So therefore, everything could come out and all the chaos could come out because there's no kalim. There's no kalim. When you're awake, whoa, 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 whoa. You have to come into my structure. So what's he- what does healing mean? Healing means that I can actually, instead of being scared of the chaos, don't be afraid of the chaos. The chaos is allowing you to tune in to truths that transcend your present structures. So don't be afraid of them. Don't run away from them. Don't resist them. The chaos is introducing you to the light in your soul that has not yet been integrated into your present personality. And that's why you either fight or flight. That's why you either fall asleep or you run away, which is a form of falling asleep, or you fight back. It's all resistance. It's resistance. It's too intense. It's too powerful. The light is much higher, but it creates chaos below. And the reason it creates chaos below is because that structure that we were safe with and secure with 
was has has been challenged. Verstehst du, Daniel? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's see uh, some other questions here. Let's see what's happening on the chat. Questions. What happens to a person who doesn't hear anything you're saying? Well, we have to have compassion. There could be gullus when you have police coming into the shul. Well, gullus takes on different shapes. Do the nations receive no energy or minute energy from Seder Hishtalshalus? You need bittel to redefine your vessels. Absolutely, a lot of bittel. Okay, next question. Sometimes there is physical or mental illness, misalignment. The limbs of the body should follow the lead of the head, but it's not always that way. An epileptic or a person with other physical illnesses will hurt themselves when the limbs do not follow the lead of the head. A person with mental illness can cut themselves, harm themselves. Addictions or other self-harms, even to the point of suicide, they're completely harming themselves because there's a misalignment. Yet, in a way, that's like a form of sleeping, even when you're awake. You're not fully conscious. Gullus is like sleep. Our capabilities are restricted. So therefore, all human accomplishments, including Jewish accomplishments, and all spiritual accomplishments, is a product of the restricted abilities we have during exile. But the fact is that the accomplishments during the Beis Hamikdash would have been higher. But we see that when Jews were in Galos, in many ways, there is more creativity and more revelation. In Torah Er Parshas Vayetze, he says that Arizal and Rajbi, who lived after the Chorban, revealed much deeper Pnimiyas Atayra. You're saying something very deep. And it's connected to this very idea that in Galus, the air is actually much higher. So if you can tune into the air, it's a higher air. When you're awake, the soul's power and electricity is manifest in the limbs. Could it be said that before creation, Hashem's soul as electricity, as potential power, was asleep and then he woke up. He activated his potential and extended his powers with his faculty, spheres creating creation, and each aspect of creation can be compared to our various limbs. So the soul entering the body and vivifying it, animating it, and differentiating the energy among the different limbs can be compared on the cosmic level to God's soul, his essence, vivifying and animating all of creation. Our little planet are then various limbs animated by God's soul, Waking up and vivifying. Yeah, that's very powerful. You mentioned that the Talmud says that sleep is a little bit of death. For humans, this normally occurs every night. We are awake, we sleep, we alternate each day. It says that by God, a thousand years is like one day. So 5781 plots out to late Friday afternoon, late enough to bring in Shabbos. So maybe our daily cycle of being awake and sleeping can be translated to God's cycle of being awake and sleeping. 
corresponding to the times of exile in Geula, and basically that's the 2,000 years. If so, the current night of sleep lasts to 2,000 years, after a few hundred years of having the Beis HaMikdash, perhaps the state of cosmic wakefulness also existed at Sinai in the Midbar. So we're all currently part of his sleep cycle, part of the dream. Tillam says we're dreamers, awaiting the cosmic alarm clock to wake up, stop the dream, and live fully with all potential being manifest like that of a person who woke up. In other words, we are awaiting the cosmic Ani. You asked before if anybody understood what you're talking about. Do these comments answer your question whether anybody understood what you're talking about? Okay. Very well, my dear friends. I send you my love and blessings. Have a beautiful day and a beautiful Shabbos. We will resume this Shir Be'ezer Hashem Monday morning, 7.30 a.m. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.